to me writing it, but um, I pray that God uh, was able to help you in a couple things, maybe uh, do with the past, and uh, as we move forward into the future, it was uh, kind of a nice way to end this series. But welcome to 2023. Over the next uh, number of weeks, well, 51 weeks actually, if you wait, 51 minus 5 to 46 weeks, minus Family Day, Palm Sunday, Easter Sunday, Mother's Day, Father's Day, Pentecost Sunday, Labor Day, Thanksgiving, and Christmas season next year. We are going to be speaking from the book Psalm 23, and uh, you say, well, that sounds good. You're going to preach the same message 40 times? Yes, yes I am. Uh, not quite, but we are going to read the passage for the next 40 weeks up until uh, we get to next Christmas again. And if you've never read Psalm 23, you probably haven't been to a Christian funeral before, uh, because it's read at almost every Christian funeral that I've ever gone to has been read at some non-Christian as well, but uh, we're going to just bit by bit, little by little, exploring the world's most popular psalm, and Psalm 23. Uh, and today we're going to particularly focus on the first line, or the first two words of the psalm, the Lord. The Lord, the Lord, the Lord. Someone say the Lord. Next week we're going to talk about me. We're going to talk about you. And then the week after we're going to talk about God as shepherd. And the whole point is we want to talk about, about God, we want to talk about you, and we want to talk about how the two come together, how do the two connect. And so we're gonna we're gonna be doing this incredible journey. I hope it speaks well. I hope it, it gives you some insight into the passage. I'll have some images on the screen there in the next couple weeks to show you of what the context was when David wrote this particular psalm, what uh, what he meant when he said this and what he meant when he said that. So we want to we just kind of explore Psalm 23 and 2023. Now that's uh, to help you remember. Uh, well, hopefully you when someone asks you, well, what did Pastor Gary talk about on Sunday? All you have to say is Psalm 23. And uh, you won't be lying. And uh, maybe you'll listen and get a few more details. And maybe, just maybe, it will change your life just a little bit more and make it a little bit better. But at the end of the year, we're going to conclude each message us to be with him, God saved us so we could be with him, and everything else in this life is Psalm 20 for the simple fact that God is with us, no matter what. And so if you don't listen to any message I preach this year, I've already given you the conclusion. No matter what situation you find yourself in, God is with you. So maybe say it out loud, God is with you. Say it so you believe it. Say it so the neighbors can hear it. Dance that scares the kids next door. <laughs> Thanks, Corey. Let's see how much I can get Corey to do it this morning. That's what it comes down to. But at the end of the day, God is 
So here's David. He knows how to use this incredible, powerful weapon. Everyone laughs at him. He doesn't believe he did it. Finally, the king said, well, Lord, we're with you. And, and David goes and he does what he does. The story's for another day. He's a giant player. It said by the end of David's life as a king, it says that uh, instead of just David as a giant player, it says that he was surrounded by giant players. I don't know if you necessarily find that exact wording in your Bible, but the simple fact is, is that when David became king, he raised up men just like himself. He raised up people that were just like him. And so instead of just one giant player in the land, he raised up a whole army of warriors. So much so, I, I was reading a book a number of years ago called Chase the Lion, or In a Pit with a Lion on a Snowy Day. And uh, his main bodyguard, Zaniah, um, they were at camp, and this lion appeared, and the lion disappeared, and Zaniah chased after the lion and killed the lion with his bare hands. Uh, this is the kind of man that David raised as a leader, as a king. And that tells us that David was a good leader, although he was really bad at succession planning. And at the end of his life, he was very indecisive, did not like to make a decision about who was going to be king. And his brothers start turning on each other, trying to take power and trying to take control, and, and a whole series of things happen in his life. Why am I telling you all this about David? Because he's the author. If you want to know a little bit more about the story, you want to know a little bit more about the author. And this is just like a really quick snapshot of his life. But I want to show you this picture that David's life was not perfect. David himself was not perfect. He was up when he was down. He was up, he was down. But he was a strong, mighty warrior. And it says that David was a man after God's own heart. And all that means is that even in his failures, through all of his life, everything he did, he wanted to be in the presence of the Lord. Everything he did, he wanted to serve and please God. Except for when he didn't. Except for when he ignored his voice in the presence of God. Generally speaking, he had this overall genuine desire to be close to God. He was certainly human. We like to make heroes and we like to look at our heroes and we like to think they're perfect. But the fact is that David was a human like you and I. And if God could be in David's presence through all the wrong that he had done and all the good that he had done, then I certainly believe that God can be in our presence and we can be in God's presence as well. And not just the presence of God, but what he would say the manifest presence of God. And I believe that that we are all called, like David was, to bring the Lord the manifest presence to the world. And this is David brought God's presence to Israel. And this word manifest, I, I actually added it into my notes. It's, uh, here's kind of the definition. The word manifest means it's something that is clear and obvious to the eye or to the mind. So there is, there is without a shadow of a doubt, clarity that this is real and this is true. That's the adjective part of manifest. But there's also a verb the word of action. If we're going to go back to English class here for a minute, verbs are action words. So the action word of manifest, your action definition is to display or show by one's acts or appearance. Also to demonstrate. And so not only is the manifest presence of God supposed to be obvious, the presence of God is clearly here, it's clearly in your life. And this is what I call, this is what I believe that it's called this morning. That's why we're looking at the Psalm 37. All about the presence of God. I think needs to be absolutely obvious in our church. Otherwise, why are we even meeting? We might as well just have a barbecue. Right? Might as well just get together at someone's house. We might as well 
do whatever we want when we get together. Because it's not about the presence of God, but it's even about what's important. It's the heart. It's always been the hope of everybody. That's a big part of it. But it's a presence of God to be obvious, but also, I think, be obvious in our lives, through our lives. We should be able to demonstrate the presence of God through the power of the Holy Spirit. If you don't believe me, read Acts chapter 2 and tell me what happened in Acts chapter 2. God sent the power of the Spirit to be evident, to be active oriented in the lives of his people, in the lives of people in the world. So we're going to get to that this year as well. So today we're jumping to the very first and second words of this passage, the Lord. Have you ever heard the song by Michael Bublé, Haven't Met You Yet? Just haven't met you yet. So if you haven't heard the song, it's, it's about him singing about the perfect woman that he's going to date and everything's going to work out perfect and right. He's thinking about how everything is going to be. And he gets to the last line of the chorus. And after telling, singing about all these wonderful characteristics of this woman, he goes, I just haven't met you yet. I mean, those are just, those are things that the most amazing dream I've ever had in my life and then you go to God. And that's what the Lord is, right? It's worth your kids to do that. That was such a good, beautiful dream and now I'm here forced at 5.30 in the morning because you decided to wake up early today and here I am. That wasn't the dream. But it's reality. So he sings the song, I just haven't met you yet. He's got all these characteristics. Now, if you, you compare the Michael Bublé song to the song of David, which one's going to last the time? going to be Psalm 23, because unlike Michael Bublé, David's experiences with God are absolutely incredibly real. One's based off of a dream, one's based off of fantasy, and the other is based off of reality. So everything that David talks about, we, we can take it as the word of truth based on his experience, but you can also take, because when we interpret scripture, we can use scripture to interpret scripture, we know that everything that David talks about in Psalm 23, we can replicate it in other passages and other experiences that other people have. And so we know that David is saying is absolutely true. What he sings about is not a dream, it's not a fantasy, it is absolutely reality. And so today we're going to talk about the Lord. In particular, we're going to talk about the holiness of the Lord, the godliness, the beauty and the, the, the amazing fact he doesn't even use the name of God. He just says the Lord, which is common practice in Israel. Someone say the Lord. Okay, if you're over here, just talk. If you're, in, if you're online, just type in the comments, say the Lord. Now, they never said the name of God in, in Israel. They always referred to him as, as the Lord, or they talked about him as a being, but they never said the name of God. And it was out of a fear, not like I'm scared of God, some cases they use it, but generally out of fear of God was out of a reverence because God was God, and God is God, and so they didn't say the name of the Lord, and so they would use a word to describe the name, or describe God, in this case, they would use the word the Lord. Now, I don't know if you like my wife or not, but I like my wife, and when I first met my wife, I didn't like my wife because I didn't want to like my wife. If you've never heard our story, I'll tell it to you another time. But the quick version of the quick version of the story is this: is I had come back from college after my second year, and I was really kind of confused, trying to figure out what in the world am I going to do in this life? What's my next step in this life? What am I going to do? And 
Latin, which comes out as Jehovah. And so they, they still would not 
I was just going to say, I did say her name at our wedding, so I'll let me just leave that story. But, uh, and I said the right name, unlike Rob Patrick. But anyways, it's better story to tell. Uh, but it is, it is pretty crazy that out of my own insecurity and fear of letting God down, I wouldn't fully say that this is what this is what I'm doing. Not that I need to be uh, All I can say is, when we come to God, He doesn't want us to be shy around Him. He doesn't want us to be intimidated by Him because His presence is not supposed to, supposed to be intimidating. It's not supposed to make us afraid of God. When, when people tell me I'm never going to walk into a church, I'm going to get struck by a lightning, I always laugh with them, and I always reassure them that that will never happen because that's not what God is here to do. He's not here to release all of the wrath and his anger, which he does have, by the way. He's not here to release that on us. That's not his purpose. That's not his purpose for sending Jesus. He has, he has saved that wrath for heaven. That's why he created us. He didn't create that for anybody. His desire is not for me to be happy. His desire is for me to be his friends. And so if, uh, I don't know if you know this, but we are at the final invite to Rebecca. But every time Rebecca would work in the office and I'd come in, and as soon as I'd walk in, she'd hide behind the big tower because I don't want to be around that guy. And uh, that's not her fault. It's her problem and my problem, but it's not her fault. Not, not a clue what it 
Because relationships 